0: Mahatma Gandhi wrote in his autobiography that as a student, he read the gospel seriously and considered converting to Christianity. He believed that the teachings of Jesus would offer a solution to the caste system in India. So one week, he decided to attend services at a nearby church and talk to the minister about becoming a Christian. When he entered the sanctuary, however, the usher refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go worship with his own people. Gandhi left the church and never returned. That usher's prejudice not only betrayed Jesus, but also turned a person away from trusting
1: him as Savior. But when it comes to the promise of God to pour out his spirit, there is no discrimination allowed. Who says amen?
0: Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here, we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. God's kingdom is not for some, it is for all. And this week, Charles Tapp continues with the second part in this series, going deeper, reaching wider, experiencing the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, and explains the incredible power of God's spirit when it fills the life of each person with his message, the power
1: of all. As we've been talking about throughout this entire series, we're focusing on primarily the work of the Holy Spirit. And I gave you last week a definition of what I mean by that. And I want to share it with you again. And it simply goes like this The work of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the active presence of God in our world and especially in the life of the church. And he does that in one of two ways. First of all, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit can be with us, but it also says that the Holy Spirit can live in us. And those are two different things all together. For when it talks about the Holy Spirit being with us, The Holy Spirit can be with someone of the world that does not even believe in God. The Holy Spirit can be with an atheist. The Holy Spirit can be with an agnostic. It is the Holy Spirit's job then to convict that person's heart of the sin that is in their lives and to lead them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit being with. But then the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, as well as the Apostle Paul, can be in us. That's when you and I become Christians and accept Christ as our Savior. At that moment, the Holy Spirit resides within us and leads us into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. But you and I have to invite him to do so, Look at what Jesus says on this matter in the Gospel of John. John chapter 14, as we look at verses 15 to verse 17. Look at what he says. If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you what? Another helper. Some versions will say another comforter. In the Greek, the word is... Perikletos, it means one who walks alongside of you. And I will give you another helper, one who walks alongside you, that he may what? Abide with you forever. Now look at verse 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot what? Receive, in other words, live in, Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but look at what he says. But you know him, for he dwells, what? With you and will be, what? In you. And the primary objective, dear friends, of the Holy Spirit living in us is to give you and I the power to experience a transformed life. And probably there's no one better to explain how this takes place than that of the Apostle Paul. And I want us to go through this process today as we look at a few of the scriptures that Paul shared to the different churches there in his time as it relates to this process. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. For it is God who works how? In you. Both to do what? Will and to do his good pleasure. Just leave that there for a second. This is a twofold ministry of the Holy Spirit. First of all, Paul says, it is the Holy Spirit who gives us the will. Meaning, gives you and I the desire to want to live a godly life. So the mere fact that you and I want to live in a way that pleases God, we can't take any credit for that. Amen? That is the work of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But how many of us know today desire is not enough? How many diet programs have been completely abandoned? Don't raise your hands. Because we know that desire is not enough. But the work of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, is twofold. First, he gives us the desire. But then look at what he says, to do his good pleasure. In other words, he gives us the desire to do, but then he gives us the power to do. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 as we continue on in this process of the work of the Holy Spirit. I love this one. He says, now to him who is able to do what? Exceedingly abundantly above. All that we what? Ask or think according to what? The power that is what? At work within us. What is Paul saying? You can't even begin to imagine the level of the magnitude of the work that the Holy Spirit can do in your life. Look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. This is not how he closes this whole thing off. He says, talking to the believers at Philippi, he says, being confident of this very thing. What thing, Paul? That he who began what kind of work in you? A good work, a good work in in you, in you, in you, will do what? Complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Who says amen to that? In other words, Paul is saying Whenever the Holy Spirit starts something in you, he will finish it if you allow him to. God never starts anything that he's not already determined to finish. Can you imagine God creating the world and stopping on the third day? Or even on the sixth day? Whatever God starts, God completes. Including the work in you and me to live a life that is victorious. But how does all this take place? I'm going to share something with you when I read it in preparation for this message. And I've read it before, but for some reason, it just resonated with me more than ever before. I want you to hold on to your seats now. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 10 and verse 11. Talking about the Holy Spirit working in us. And Paul says, and if Christ is where? In you. And how can Christ be in us? The Holy Spirit. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of what? Righteousness. That's what the Holy Spirit produces within us. But look at verse 11. But if the Spirit of him, listen, don't miss this. But if the Spirit of him... Who did what? Who did what? Who raised Jesus from the dead dwells what? In you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit again who dwells where? In you. Do you understand what Paul is saying? Do you understand the ramifications of his words? Can I make it any clearer than by saying this? That the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. And you know why we're afraid to really grab onto that? It's because if that's true, then why aren't more of us as Christians more godly? Possessing this kind of power But yet, you look at our lives and we ask the question, what's going on? It's because although the Holy Spirit lives in us, and I brought this point out fully last week, the reason why we do not possess his power as we should is because we are so full of ourselves. Paul made that point in his letter to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and he said, in the last days, you know, perilous times will come. Men shall be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. And he closes it off in verse 5 by saying, it's because they have a form, an outward appearance of godliness, but they have no power. We have it down to a science, the outward appearance of possessing power. We know how to do that well, don't we? We even use the language that makes one think, oh, that person must have the Holy Spirit residing in them. But Paul says, be aware. They've got an outward appearance that they've got the power, but they don't have any power. And Paul tells young Timothy, stay away from them because they have form but no power. And here's the problem with us today in our, in our advanced world. We think we should control everything. Newsflash. We can't control the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's job to control us. And the issue here As I said last week, it's not, Father, give me more of your Holy Spirit. Our real prayer should be, Father, make there less of me so you can have more of me. Because the question really isn't, do we have the Holy Spirit? The real question we need to ask ourselves today is, does the Holy Spirit have us? Jesus says, if you want the Spirit, Luke 11, 13, just ask. And I love how it reads in the original language. It says, ask and and keep on asking for his power. Look at this quotation from the book, Desire of Ages, one of the greatest commentaries on the life of Jesus Christ. Look at what it says in Desire of Ages, page 671. Christ has given his what? Spirit. Spirit. As a divine power to overcome all hereditary and cultivated tendencies to evil. Mercy. In other words, not just the stuff that I'm predisposed to that I was born with, but the stuff that I cultivate over time from hanging out with you. No, I'm just kidding. Isn't that what he's saying? You know what she's saying? Let's finish the quote. And to impress his character upon the church. We always talk about giving God the glory, don't we? Well, I want to give God the glory. Raise the roof. Give God the glory. Do you know what that word means, glory? It means impact. It means form. It means if I take a piece of clay And I put my hand in it and press down on it. When I remove my hand, although you don't see my hand, you see the imprint of my hand. And if we're really giving God the glory, it's because the Holy Spirit is in us to the point that individuals don't see God. But when they look at us, they see the imprint of God in our lives. You and I have access to this divine power. If we would simply humble ourselves before God and ask God to empty us of ourselves so that we could receive the full, unhindered, unbridled access of the Holy Spirit to invade every part of our lives.
0: You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, The Power of All. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this.
2: I'm going to take a moment and just recommend that you breathe. Now, there are all kinds of breathing techniques that you can use. One is count to 10, you know, breathing in, count to 10, breathing out, kind of hold it in the middle, you know, breathing in his grace and breathing out his praise. Whatever you choose, breath is really important. And this time of year, you know, you may have a cold or you may have the flu and it's restricting your breathing. So you know just how important that is. God has given you that breath. In Acts, Paul wrote this, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else and so take a moment and take a deep breath and stay encouraged
1: to get more encouraging content go to wgts919.com
0: this is simple truths for life and there is an amazing power god offers to everyone regardless of personal distinctions that might be used to discriminate against others. As he concludes his message, the power of all.
1: You and I have access to this divine power. If we would simply humble ourselves before God and ask God to empty us of ourselves so that we could receive the full, unhindered, unbridled access of the Holy Spirit to invade every part of our Lives. Which brings us to what, in my opinion, is one of the most amazing passages of Scripture as it relates to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, as we look at verses 28, and we'll stop at verse 31. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. There's that word all again. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall do what? See visions. Verse 29. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. In those days, verse 30, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire in the pillars of smoke, verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness and then the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. In other words, before Christ returns, God says to the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And as the prophet is receiving this amazing promise from God. It is in the context of the background of a nation that is finally beginning to emerge from a long, dark, desolate path where they, including the prophet himself, were beginning to wonder, based on the circumstances they were in, if they would ever experience the presence of God again. And this is symbolic by an invasion of a swarm of locusts that were unleashed upon them with such horrific and destructive force that it began to rob the people of the hope of ever recovering. You see, they had experienced locusts before, but never anything of this magnitude. I don't know if you are familiar with locusts, if you've ever had locusts come around, but locusts get into your house. They will come through the crack. Did you know locusts can chew off the bark of a tree? And when they die, they give off such a revolting stench, their bodies begin to breed diseases like typhoid and and other diseases. And I recently read where When a female locust lays her eggs, if she lays them in June, she will give birth to over 18 million living descendants of locusts by October. That puts things into a different perspective when you think about the plagues that came upon Egypt, doesn't it? And whenever something of this magnitude happens, whether it's with them or with us, the two things we begin to wonder. Number one, why is this happening? Number two, what is God going to do about it? And I'm here to tell you today that some of you have had locusts swarm into your lives. And they are destroying just about everything in sight. No, they may not be the physical locust that resembles a grasshopper, but some of us have had locusts of death come through our families, locusts of illness, locusts of loss, locusts of pain, locusts of loneliness. And when these things swarm into our lives, the first thing we ask ourselves is what is going on? The second thing is, God, what are you going to do about it? And if we're honest, we all have felt that way. And it is against this backdrop that the prophet Joel receives this encouraging word that although you're going through a dark time in your life, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. When you look at the majority of the Old Testament references to the to the Spirit of God is usually in reference to the Spirit of God coming upon an individual to perform a special task at a special time for a special people. But the picture that Joel gives here of receiving the Holy Spirit is that not of a drizzle of the Spirit, not even of a sprinkling of a Spirit, But what I hear Joel talking about here is a major deluge of rain of the Holy Spirit coming into his life. And what I love about this promise of God's Spirit is that it is not, listen to me, it is not reserved for some. It is reserved for all. Listen, God makes it clear to the prophet Joel That when it comes to the gift of the presence and power of his Holy Spirit, there will be absolutely no discrimination allowed. And if you've ever felt the sting of discrimination in your life, either because of your race, your gender, your age, or your socioeconomic status, it is a painful and hurtful experience indeed. Just by the mere definition of discrimination, it is an unjust practice that is for the most part experienced by those who are powerless to do anything about it to defend themselves. When our family lived in New York several years ago, we were denied renting a home in a certain part of the borough of Queens. You know anything about New York? And we discovered later the reason why we did not get the house. It was because the rental agent was told by the owners of the home under no circumstances should you rent our house to blacks. And I'm going to be honest. When I heard that, you know how Jesus went into the temple with a whip? Give me a whip. I was ready to show my righteous indignation. And what made this story so interesting is that the couple who owned the home were Jewish and the rental agent was Asian. (laughs) But when it comes to the promise of God to pour out his spirit, there is no Discrimination allowed. Who says amen? amen? God tells the prophet Joel, I will pour out my spirit, not upon some flesh, but upon all flesh. And it's almost like God was saying to Joel, and in case you don't know who all is, let me share it. And you've got to understand the context here. Because in those days, if you were a male Jew, your morning prayer would be, God, I thank you that I am not a Gentile, a slave or a woman. But Joel says here that when God's spirit falls, those distinctions that you and I use to discriminate against one another are leveled out. God is telling Joe, I will pour my spirit on whoever I want to, whenever I want to, however I want to, to whatever magnitude or degree I choose to, whether you like it or not. For when the spirit of God comes in all of its fullness, dear friends, it creates a radical sociological overhaul. We're about to close this morning in explaining this. Look at Galatians chapter 3, 27 to 29. I'm talking about the culture of the kingdom of God now. Look what he says in Galatians chapter 3. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does he mean? Now that you've accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you, so you are now in Christ and Christ is in you. There is neither what? Jew nor Greek, there is neither what? Slave nor free. There is neither what? Male nor female. Why? For you are all one in Christ. It doesn't mean that these distinctions are done away with, but what it does mean, they can no longer be used to discriminate because the Holy Spirit is for all. I want to end with this quotation by the author, Christian author Henry Blackaby. Some of you may have read his book, Experiencing God. He says, will God ever ask you to do something you're not able to do? The answer is yes, all the time. All the time. It must be that way for God's glory and kingdom. Listen, if we function according to our ability alone, we get the glory. If we function according to the power of the Spirit within us, God gets the glory, the weight. He wants to reveal himself to what? A watching world. If the Spirit of God is in me, when people look at me, they should get an idea of who Jesus is. So the question I ask myself and I ask you today, do others see Jesus in you? Or are you so full of yourself? Or am I so full of myself that all they can see is me? Are you content? Are you satisfied with status quo, having a form, an appearance that everything is just great? Or are you like me, that you want to begin to experience the fullness of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Is that what you want today?
0: You've been listening to Simple Truths
1: for Life with
0: Charles Tapp and his message, The Power of All. And if you wanna listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org. Now here's what we're working on for next week.
1: For we're obsessed with a culture that says, doing is more important than being. Next week,
0: I hope you can plan to listen again as Charles Tapp continues with the third part in this series Going deeper, reaching wider, experiencing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit with his message, The Power to Be. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week for more Simple Truths for Life. Jesus came here for you.
2: No matter what your skin color is.
0: Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care, or any political party.
2: Jesus came for the far left and the far right, or if you're somewhere in between.
0: Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic.
2: Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love.
0: Jesus came for you, And for all his children.
2: We're here to remind you of that.
0: WGTS 91.9. Always encouraging. And 88.3 on the Eastern Shore.